morning, everybody. Everybody thank the band for that. That was great. I don't know about you, but when Courtney was singing, I want more of you, God. That's just what kept being my constant repeat in prayer in that moment. It was, I want more of you, God. That's what I want. I want more of you. And so that was what I was singing. I kept finding that welling up inside of me. More, more, God. I want more of you. And so I hope that was you. I hope that's why you came today. I hope that's why you're here at church. It's because you're like, I want more. You know, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. That's what the Bible says. It says that the poor man cried out and God delivered him from all his troubles. And he says that taste and see that the Lord is good. And so when you've tasted something that's good, you want more of it, right? You want more of it. And so that's what, that's what my hope is today. My hope is that's where you're at today. Is that you're like, I came because I want more. I've tasted some of this and it's good. And I want more of it. So last week, this is kind of a continuation off of last week's message. So if you were here, Zach talked about, and clearly there's more people here than there were last week because we had snowmageddon. But, um, but the deal is, Zach talked about last week, this passage in, in John 6 about when Jesus fed the 5,000 people. And, um, and we, we talked about it and he broke it down. He taught. He, said, he talked about that really this originated out of Deuteronomy, which we've been doing as a life group. You know, and I know there's, there's been some pushback in society and the, and even some preachers have gone and said, you know, the Old Testament is kind of what it is. It's the Old Testament. It's not relevant anymore. You know, even some famous preachers have said we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. And, and the reality is this is we don't need to unhitch because the truth is the Old Testament and the New Testament all point to Jesus. And so we don't unhitch anything from Jesus, period, end of statement. And so the end, what, what's happening in Deuteronomy and what Zach pointed to is that Moses, um, in, in, in the, in the early days, Moses, um, in Exodus was God's chosen instrument. God chose Moses cause he saw, he looked around, he saw his people and he saw, he saw that they were in slavery. The Israelite people were living in the boundaries of a foreign country, Egypt. And, and he saw that they were being enslaved and mistreated and that they were miserable He heard their cries. The Lord heard their cries and he's like, I need to deliver those people from that bondage. Enough is enough. How many of you in this room are like, I'm in bondage and I need deliverance. I'm in bondage and I need deliverance. That's what was happening back in Israel, back in the occupation of being in Egypt is that they were in bondage. And so God chose Moses as his chosen instrument to deliver them from that. And so God said, Moses, you're going to lead these people out. And so God, Moses comes. And if you know the story, Moses tells the people, God told me that I'm supposed to help deliver you out of this. God told me, Moses, one person to deliver all couple million of you out of Egypt. And here's the thing. They had been in bondage and slavery for so long that they didn't, they didn't really, they couldn't even bring themselves to believe it was true. So God had to do things in their life. He brought, Moses did the, he performed these signs, which were in the plagues and stuff like that. Moses performed these signs and, and, and people then became going, oh man, I mean, man can't do that. So that, that has to be from God. And so Moses performs these signs. And then what happens as we know is that, you know, they leave because they finally worked up enough belief and enough courage to believe that Moses was who he says he was. 
and that God was in this. And so they leave and they go out and they're on their way to, to being uh, um, freed and going to this land that God had promised them. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land that was promised for them. And so they're on the way there. And on the way there, there's some things that happen that, that, that are supernatural. That God did as another sign. And one of those things was manna from heaven. You know what manna from heaven is? It's like when they were, when they were starving and they didn't have anything. When they were at this point where they, they ran out of their own resource and they were starving. God made manna, which is like bread, fall from heaven. Now... I, I, I know that what that did is, and we're going to find out in this passage, is that made God, that made Moses real popular, you know, real popular because manna was flying from heaven. You know, I'm putting on a rubber glove here because I'm like germ freak, right? I, I don't want this, but I got, I, I figured, you know, something like manna, Ryan, you come here, come here, buddy, come here. You do this for me, would you? I got manna from heaven right here. Who wants one, right? Right, there you go. Oh my, manna from heaven. Here, put this rubber glove on. They might not know where your hands, but you've been, you know, getting dirty or something, right? So just in the, in the hope that I can become popular, I'm just gonna, th- who wants manna from heaven right here? These are Lamar's manna from heaven. Go way up there. Oh yeah. Oh, that was off the wall. Hey, whatever you do, if this drops on the ground and somebody doesn't need it, you're weak. You know what? You need, you need, oh, nice dive, Jim. Way to go. Um, you know, you need the germs. You know, all you anti-back people, this is, this is not right. Here, look at all those. They're all flavored differently. We got to help the sound guy out. There you go. Oh, off the wall. I hit Chad in the head, darn it. But but here's the thing, you know, it's like Lamar's donut holes. These are like manna from heaven, right? It's like sweetened bread is what the Bible says. I mean, how many times can you come to church and get sweetened bread? You know? Man, I, I'm going to have... I'm gonna have to have uh, I'm gonna have to have rotator cuff surgery when this is done, though. I don't know what's gonna happen here. Oh, here we go, Kathy. Kathy, I'm a terrible thrower. I hope Pat Mahomes has more uh, has more accuracy today. Oh, right on. There you go. I don't even have to throw that far. But anyway, here's the deal. It's like it pleased them because they got God provided for them in their time of need. God provided something for them when they needed it. And it made God. That went right over your head, Kevin. Right over your head. It's the last one, last manna. Somebody better show some enthusiasm here. I I want cartwheels, somersault. Yeah, yeah. All right, right there. There we go. All right. Thank you. Thank you. There's, There's some like glazed crumbs in here somebody's like desperate you know you can you can come up and get it but here's the deal manna from heaven came down okay and what we're going to find out in this passage is that that manna from heaven was a supernatural sign and that was like a a clincher for people that they believed that god was in it 
They believe that, and, and so like what we're going to pick up here is that that's what happened in, is in this passage is that the manna from heaven became a clincher for people, that, that Moses was powerful and that God had worked through Moses. And so in that, we need to, uh, man, I worked myself up. I almost made myself thirsty all that throwing. How does that work? So, and how that portrays in Jesus, we're going to read more about here, okay? So, Moses, Moses was with them that God provided manna from heaven, which they are going to point back to. And so, let's, uh, and, and we're going to talk about the connection of, of Jesus to this. Because in Deuteronomy 18, this is where the Deuteronomy passage connects with it, is that in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said that there's going to come a prophet that is going to come after me, listen to him. You know, there's going to be a prophet that's going to do some of the same things that I did, listen to him. The reason that that's important is that we look back in Deuteronomy days, way back when, way, way, way back when, and and just like the Old Testament's full of prophecy. What that is, is prophecy is God prophesying, saying that this is going to happen, okay? This is going to happen, and the reason that's important is because it, it, it it's just like anybody, you know, if you can call your shot and it come exactly true, all of a sudden you got a whole lot more credibility, right? If somebody, if, if God in this case says that this is what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden he says that all these years before, and all of a sudden we see it in real time, we see the exact fulfillment of what he said was going to happen, we're like, I, I, I got to believe that. I got to put my trust in him. And so that's what part of the Old Testament points to prophecies that are going to come. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Let's start reading um, in J- John 6. We're going to start in verse, uh, I'm, going to jump, I'm going to start in 14 and 15, and then I'm going to, I'm going to uh, jump down to 22. Now, where, we're, where Zach picked, left off was this, is Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people, which uh, smarter people than me really believe that means 20,000 people-ish, okay? 20,000 people-ish, because they, they only counted the men back then. So there, there's an a, a expectation that family members and stuff. So it was about 20,000 people. And so Jesus, if you don't know the story, they, he was teaching to all of these people, this massive crowd. And it was dinner time. And they were like, what, what, you know, the disciples came to him and said, we need to get rid of these people. I mean, how are we going to feed them? And, and Jesus told them to go look and see what's out there. And a young boy had brought his lunch. His mom had packed his lunch. And it was, it was fishes and loaves. And it wasn't very many. And we know the story, you know, the story goes is that they brought that to Jesus. And Jesus multiplied all of that food and fed everyone. Everyone. And everyone was so amazed at his teaching. Everyone was so caught up in him. Everyone was saying... Like, for example, in verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. That's referencing back to Deuteronomy 18. This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And then in verse 15, it says, perceiving that, that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay, so what, what, what that is, is that they were so enamored by him, they were so taken by him that they were like, we're going to, we want to make him king. 
You know, and, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that that's what their heart and intent was, okay? And the reason they wanted to make him king is just because, just like with Moses, Moses came and delivered them from Egyptian rule and went and took them and fed them. God fed them every day. You know, Moses took care of them and led them out of of bondage and slavery. And so they're like here, the, the Israelites now, instead of being in Egypt, they're under Roman rule. So the Romans are in charge. The Romans are like calling the shots. And so what, what, what was happening is they looked at this and they said, this is the one that Moses talked about that was going to come. Let's make him king so that then he will free us from the Roman rule. He will free us. We will take him and he will, he will provide for us. He will feed us. He will take care of us. And so Jesus in verse 15 said, perceiving what they were trying to do, he, he, he retreated because that's not what he came for. That is not what he came for. Zach talked last week about wrong placed assumptions, wrongly placed assumptions. You know, they just assumed that the reason Jesus was here is to satisfy their hunger, to satisfy their, 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 their earthly needs. Okay. That's, they, they assumed that and they wanted to take him and make him king just to provide for them. Okay. And, and Jesus, that's not why he came. He came for spiritual need. Okay. And we're going to get into that in verse 22. So it says on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there. Jesus had gone over to the other side and that, and Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. That was not just some like, you know, little jaunt across a little stream. That was miles. Okay. They got in a boat and took miles trip to, to get to him. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Okay. We're going to stop there for a second. So Jesus, with all this big crowd of people following him, all this popularity, all of this, all of this, uh, fanfare, all of this, I want to make him king. When they all come to him, Jesus looks at them and says, look, here's the thing. Let's call this for what it is. You're not really coming after me. You're coming after me because you ate and got what you wanted. And that's why you're coming. That's why you're coming. Your motives aren't because you want to know me. You're, you're coming because I, I fed you. And, you know, I, I got to th- thinking, you know, ultimately, that's not really unlike all of us. We still do the same thing. You know, honestly, why are you here today? Why are you here today? Is it because you're like trying to like, like in the old times with the, with the gods in the old, old days where they'd sit there and they'd like try to satisfy the God by, by some token sacrifice or some token response. And so like you come to church as some token satisfier that God will not be mad at me. Is that what, is that why you come? 
Or is it you're coming because you're working to, so that God can do what, you know, I'm obligating God to do what he, I ask from him. You know, I try to live morally. I try to do all these things right because I'm obligating God to now have to do what I've asked him. Why is it that you come? You know, one of the things that the the question that comes to mind is seeking satisfaction. You know, where do you go for your satisfaction? You know, what, what do you, you know, because ultimately that's what they were doing. They were just going to get satisfied. They were going to get satisfied, whatever that earthly desire is. They want, they were, they were hungry and they were like, man, that food was good. I want to go eat again. Free, free meal, free meal, right? Free meal. And that's why they, that's what they were pursuing. They were pursuing something to satisfy. And really, ultimately, that I think comes down to us. Is that we are so like uh, shallow. Many times we're so shallow about things. We're just looking for something to satisfy. And so we just looking to satisfy this need that we have. And where do you go for satisfaction? Where do you go for satisfaction? You know, I, I, I sit there, who's seen Austin Powers? Anybody, Austin Powers? I'm, I'm old, and so, you know, this whole thing about the satisfaction and, and really the, the Israelites in this case, where it's just like they, they're going for food, I'm going for this, I'm going for that. Um, I, I started thinking Austin Powers, the fat guy, I'm not gonna go any further than that, you're the fat guy. Remember the fat guy that is like, get in my belly, Get in my belly. You know what? That's what I think about when I think about this. When I think about um, how we pursue whatever token little thing is going to satisfy. You know, when, when, when things are hard, when things are tough, when we find ourselves in a tough spot, where do you go for satisfaction? You know, for some of us, it might be eating. When I'm down in the dumps and depressed, what, man, a good... Good big thing, bowl of ice cream is going to solve that, right? Right? Or that donut, you know? Man, I, I, I'm like, oh, that donut is going to satisfy me. Yeah, I can promise you, I went to Lamar's to get those things this morning. And because I was wearing red, they gave me a sprinkled chocolate, sprinkled Chiefs donut for free. I wasn't going to eat that donut. But that thing was like calling out to me in my seat. Like I'm driving to church and that thing is like, calling out to me, eat me. And I'm like the fat guy in Austin Powers, get in my belly. That's what I was doing. And so I'm sitting there eating this thing and eating this thing. Cause I, of course I had to eat, man. I'm, I'm hungry. And, and so I'm eating this thing and I'm, I'm telling you what, it tasted good for a few minutes, but it's not satisfying me right now. It is not doing it. And, I, and how much of our life is that way? You know, we, we see it and we got to have it. It's like, that's how, that's how like, caveman like we become it's like we look at things and we're like i need that i need that i need that that's going to satisfy me that new shirt's going to satisfy me that drink's going to satisfy me that relationship's going to satisfy me that whatever's going to satisfy me and that's what i go for if i could only have money that's going to satisfy me where do you go for satisfaction like seriously when, when stuff gets hard in your life, where do you go for satisfaction? Where do you go? 
Do you like get on Facebook or Instagram or whatever? Do you do that? Do you sit there and call your friends and like try to get somebody to tell you what you want to hear? Where do you go for satisfaction? And is it really that's that shallow? Do you ever turn to Jesus? Do you ever turn to Jesus? Like think about in your life, wherever you're at, do you ever like turn to Jesus? Or do you only turn to him when it's like, got nothing else? The Israelites followed him and they had wrong motives. They were just trying to satisfy whatever craving they had in that moment. And Jesus said in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. Think about your life. How much time do you spend working? How much time do you spend working for things that perish? How much of your energy do you spend working for things that don't last? They're going to perish. Jesus says, don't do it. Don't work for food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. That's that's the problem. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Is that where we're at in our life right now, we get so, we know we're broken. We know that we're in this this difficult spot where we know that, that we're in this place of, I, I, I run into people all the time that are, are constantly battling with being depressed, being down, being unsatisfied. And what, what they keep doing is they keep working harder to get satisfaction. They go to the gym and they start working out and they think that getting in shape is going to satisfy. And then they get in shape and they're still down. And they don't know what to do. Or they think that they're going to go change something else about themselves. They go change their, 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 uh, their hair color. They go change the way they look. And they think that that's going to satisfy. Because when I look in the mirror, I'm not satisfied. They think that, oh, if I change jobs or if I change relationships, that's going to satisfy. And it doesn't satisfy. And so we spend all this time working and working and working for things that perish, not things that last. Jesus said, don't waste your time on that. Go to where real satisfaction is found, and that's found in Jesus, that is found in him. You're not gonna find satisfaction in anything outside of him. You're gonna find momentary, temporary pleasure that doesn't last, it doesn't hold. It's elusive. It just gets away from you. Jesus said, don't, don't waste your time on that. And that's why he called them out for what they're coming after. You only came to me because you were full. And you wanted to get free food again. You didn't come to me because you wanted relationship with me. You came to me because you wanted to get something from me. And, you know, I'll just be honest, I, I, I sat here and I thought about that in my own life and gone, 
How many times is that what my prayers sound like? The only times I pray is like, God, give me this. God, give me that. God, give me this. God, do this. God, do that. I mean, how much, how shallow does that relationship sound when that's the, the, the dialogue, when that's all that happens? God's like, there's so much more to this life than what you present, than what you're pretending it is. It's so much bigger than what you look at. It literally is just like Austin Powers where we are so satisfied with this shallow connection. We're like that get in my belly. And that's all it is. It's just like just satisfied with shallow. And God's like, there's so much more, so much more than that. Let's keep moving. Then they said to him, what must... For on him, the God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, what sign then do you perform so that we may see and believe in you? This is the work of God, that you may believe in him who he has sent. Okay? So what Jesus is doing right now is saying all this energy, all this stuff you're doing, working for things that perish, the true work is, of God is this, that you believe in him who he sent. You know, the Bible says that salvation is a free gift of God. It's not of works, so you can't boast. Okay? You're not going to work your way to heaven. You're not going to work your way and earn something. God says that that's not how it goes. And so this passage here, it says, the work of God is that you believe in him who he sent. I want you to think about something. Because here's the thing. We sit here and go, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. So, when, now let's think about this. The work of God is believe in him who sent. Okay, and the reality is this. The only way we can believe in God is by God revealing himself to us. So let's think about your own life and let's think about that passage not in the work that you can do for a minute. Let's think about that passage in the work that God does for eternal life that you may believe. Now look at your life and look at this and go, this is what God's been up to. All of your circumstances, all the places that you've been, all the things that have been hard in your life, all the times that he's walked with you, sustained you, provided for you, protected you, even when you didn't acknowledge it was him. That's the work that God's been doing so that you may believe. All the things that he has stood by and allowed you to pursue that were less than, that weren't going to satisfy, that weren't going to sustain, all those things that he's allowed you to go through, it was so that you may believe in him. Because he doesn't leave you. He's there. When you finally get to the end of yourself and end of all your effort and all your work and you go, it's still not satisfying. And there God is having worked and walked so that you may believe. Walked it out with you. So all these circumstances you find yourself in, if you really looked at it like this, I'm going through this so that I may believe. 
I'm going through this so that I may believe. I'm going through this when God continues to frustrate you and your pursuit for things. Like money. Every time it's so elusive and it doesn't come. And God just keeps frustrating it. And he's frustrating it so that you may believe. The work of God is frustrating it so you don't settle for lesser things. The work of God, when you, get, when you get so preoccupied with this relationship and then you think that's going to satisfy, the work of God is, is not going to allow that to happen so that you may believe. So that ultimately you get to the point where you're like, God's the one. He's the only one that satisfies. He's the source. He's where I go. So when you think about where you're at in your life and this hard place that you're in, think about the fact that this may be part of God's hard work, bringing you to belief. Bringing you to the end of yourself, where true belief begins. Because here's the reality, until you and your lust and your passions get out of the way, you'll never really believe in him. He will just be the genie in the bottle that you call out for when you want something. I know that God in my own life, in the moments of the hardest things in my life are where he is most intimate with me. And the things that I go back to now looking back when I've struggled and, and, and had nowhere else to go and all of my work and all of my effort came up empty, it's in those moments that I go, God's the one that was with me all along and pulled me up out of that mud and that mess. He's the one. It's in him I believe. When all else fails, everything else I've tried fails, it's him that was there. It's him I believe in. He's the one that sustains. For us that know him, that know him intimately, that have a relationship with him that sustains, it doesn't perish. So what happens is when hard times come our way and difficult moments come our way, we're like, I'm okay. God, I trust God in the midst of this. My weight is on him. I trust him. That's where I put my trust. That's where I find my satisfaction. Let's skip down to verse 35. This is the first I am statement. And Jesus' I am statements are Jesus telling you who he is. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said, I'm the bread of life. If you come eat the bread that I give, you won't be hungry again. Again, it's spiritual, the spiritual connection. Remember, manna from heaven flew in in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, Jesus is saying, you know what? I, my bread doesn't perish. My bread sustains the spiritual aspect of my bread brings sustaining power in your life. 
It brings true satisfaction. The band's going to come up and sing, and as they're coming up, I, I want you to do this. I want you to just consider for yourself, where is it that you go? Where is it that you've been going? What is it that your motive, you know, this, that question of why are you here today? You know, I, I think God just wants to get to the heart of it. What's your motive for being? What's your motive for coming? Do you want relationship with him? Or do you just want something from him? Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just ask that you, your spirit of God, the supernatural Holy Spirit would just reveal to us the truth, truth in, in most parts. God, I pray that your spirit would reveal the things that are standing in the way. God, I pray that your spirit would go, would t- point to us and say, you know what? You know what stands in the way of true belief? is you. Quit coming to me saying, God, perform this sign. God, perform this sign and I'll believe. I've performed plenty of signs for you is what God says. Quit trying to put me on trial every time. Quit trying to say, God, if you don't come through for me here, then I'm just going to walk away. Because you let me down. God, help us not to come to you in that pitiful place, that self-consumed, selfish place. God, I pray that you'd reveal that attitude, that heart, that, that desire in us. God, just squash it, demolish it. God, help us to lean into who you are. God, help us to spend our time on things that, that matter to you. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to spend time in relationship with you. Help us do the things that you've been doing because those things are holy and righteous and they satisfy. God, help us to live that way. God, we're sorry for coming to you, just trying to use you. God, give us the true bread from heaven that leads to eternal life. Reveal yourself to us. We love you and pray in your name. Amen.